Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we have the first part of a remarkable interview with former Bayern Munich and Ghana defender Sami Kufour, talking about his life, his faith, and his early life in Kumasi, where he grew up in a poor family. I carried the TV on my hair with my mum. We went to some place and give the TV to somebody and get the money so my mum can give me the money to buy a football shoe. And we analyse listeners' predictions on the race in the English Premier League. And as Real Madrid's Gareth Bale becomes the world's best-paid player, will the top Africans in Europe also benefit? Last season in the Premier League, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal all had a wage bill of more than $240 million per club. So there's a massive amount of money. So that's coming up later. And well, it's just two weeks to go to the start of the 2016 Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Cameroon. Eight teams will be there and some are preparing well while others are having problems. The champions Nigeria have not paid their coach Florence Omagbemi for eight months. In fact, she's never been paid since becoming Super Falcons coach. She's a great figure in women's football in Nigeria, having played in four FIFA Women's World Cups. Well, the Nigeria Football Federation claims that the situation will be resolved before the Super Falcons fly out to Cameroon to defend their African title. And here in Zimbabwe, it's been very concerning as the national women's team only began their preparations 16 days before the start of the competition. The issue was lack of funds and the Zimbabwe Football Association seemed to have no solution despite the fact that resources were going to the men's team for their preparations for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations finals. Well, an emergency fundraising committee set up by government finally managed to get resources to begin a training camp. But, uh, Solomon, with these two examples, you have to wonder sometimes how seriously women's football is taken in Africa. Yes, definitely, Steve. I feel women's football in Africa is not really taken seriously in a lot of African countries, except for a few countries, maybe South Africa, where we've seen corporate investments and Sometimes Nigeria, even with Nigeria, the current situation with the uh, Super Falcons as the women's team coach, uh, Florence Omagbemi, uh, she was employed in March 2016 and uh, until today she has not been paid yet. So we're talking about eight months. There are uh, training camp and allowances for the players, which has not been paid also. So until we get to a place where we take women football seriously, uh, I don't think we're going to really go make progress. When I say take it seriously, I'm not saying you should put as much funds as you put in men's football. I'm just saying there are certain things that we need to make sure we do right. You cannot have coaches and technical teams going on for months without pay. You cannot start preparations just a couple of weeks before the commencement of a major tournament. What would that do to the morale of the of the players? 
You know, we have to really take it seriously because once we begin to take it seriously, organize good tournaments and, and prepare well and go out there and perform, then we're going to see a lot of younger girls all across the country. We're going to see parents encouraging their daughters to get involved in women's football. Uh, and that is just a thing that we have to really look at until we, we do that. Uh, you know, no one is going to take women's football seriously. Not even the fans that go to the stadium uh, to go watch women's football. They're not going to take it seriously. But I feel women's, women's football has grown so much across the continent of Africa. And we have to remember that, you know, women's football is not just about uh, going out there and competing. It's also just an avenue to be able to allow women to showcase what they're able to do. Well, thanks, Solomon, and we'll be following the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals. They start in Cameroon on the 19th of this month. We're now to the first part of an amazing interview with Samuel Osei Kufour, the former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender, who you might be familiar with these days as a football analyst on Supersport TV. Now, Kufour played for Bayern Munich in Germany for 11 seasons, making 175 appearances and winning the UEFA Champions League in 2001 and finishing runners-up to Manchester United in 1999. Well, Kufour won the BBC African Footballer of the Year Award in 2001. He made 59 appearances for Ghana's senior team and became the youngest Olympic football medalist of all time, winning bronze at the 1992 Olympics at the age of just 15. Well, in this in-depth interview with Erasmus Kwao in Accra, Kufour talks about his faith, the ups and downs in his life, including the death of his young daughter, who tragically drowned in 2003. Erasmus spoke to Kufour in his office on the seventh floor of a large office building that Kufour owns in central Accra. And in this first part, Kufour told Erasmus about his humble beginnings in life and how it contrasts with where he is now. For me, being a last born of the family, having three sisters with my mother was a hardship, you know, from the beginning. You have to go through a lot. Um, we were living in an uncompleted house without any door, you know, it was a very tough from the upbringing and a lot of people know my story. So it became very difficult for me, for my sisters to accept that I want to play football. Uh, they really want me to go to school. But I didn't have any, any feeling going to school. I want to go out there on the street and play football. So people try to dash me money and so on and so forth. But my mama has a faith in me, you know. She said to me, leave him alone, let him do whatever that pleases him. So my sisters were always fighting with my mother. Why he is the only boy in the family? He has to go to school. We want him to become a lawyer, a doctor, whatever it is. My mom always stayed behind me. He said, no, leave him alone, let him do whatever pleases him. So for my mom to tell this, and I, I think I have to prove a point to my sisters, that whatever that you set your eyes on, you know, with the faith behind you can achieve your goal because it comes to a point that I have to play football. And I was playing for the national team under 17. It became very tough for me because I didn't have a football shoe. So my mom, that was the first time I saw my mom lying to my sisters. You know, it was a very pay, a painful thing because she said to my sisters, uh, the TV is with the repairs. But I carried the TV on my hair with my mom. We went to some place and give the TV to somebody and get the money so my mom can give me the money to buy a football shoe. 
And after that, my mom told the whole area neighbors that today Sami was going to go. It's not about, you know, sometimes we have a feeling. Sometimes God spoke to us, but we don't appreciate what he is telling us. So my mom said to the neighbors, and God so good, I scored go for Ghana. And we get the money, so I have to buy another TV, a bigger one to replace what we sold. So, you know, that's why, like I said before, nothing happened by accident. It's a reason and purpose. God knows why it happened like that. So in my faith, I always believe in him. You know, I always go down on my knees and pray to get strength, knowledge, to get ability to extend myself to the world. But me doing that, it's not just a simple thing. You have to go through a lot. People may doubt you from so many angles. Even when I went to Germany, I think my first game in Germany with Bayern Munich against Stuttgart, I was praying in the dressing room. I just hold my Jay-Z and I go down my knees and I was praying in the small corner. So all the players, you know, the white people, they just came and said, wow, look at what he's doing. And I was so good that day because God knows my heart. God has prepared something for me. Maybe I didn't know how much he has prepared for me. But for me to go down on my knees and pray and let people know that I was praying to God, that thing alone was okay for me. Because then now, later... A lot of players become also a friend of mine. So maybe I share a word of God with them. But they are laughing. They are doing all this. And I think it's a funny thing. Fine. Let's give God a chance to come into your life and see what God can do for you. There was one Brazilian. He was very, very Christian. That was Jorginho. And then Paulo Sergio was also very Christian. Say Roberto is also very Christian. They were the Brazilians. So for me... God has been amazing since day one that I stepped my, uh, my, my eyes in Germany. Sami, I just want to take you back. Um, you said your mom had faith and believed in you, that you were going to be something or you were going to do something great right from the beginning. So she always backed you, even when your sisters were against it. Can you tell us more about her faith and her belief in Jesus Christ? When my mom, I grew up in a Christian home. I always go to church. Uh, there was assemblies of God. That's the church that I was born in. So I always go to school, uh, Sunday school and I have a paper that I have to show to my grandmother that I go to the Sunday school. Otherwise, they won't give me a food because my grandmother wants me to go to church. Instead of going and play football in the morning, he said, go to church and then after that church, you go to play your football. But I was a bit, a bit stubborn, a young boy. I really want to go out there and play football instead of going to church. So it was a different way. But my mom always had the faith in me she was bold enough to sell a TV that we or our family watching in the evening and give you the money. So that means he had the faith in you. And what about your father? Was he around then? No, my father was nowhere to be found. My father was in Canada, you know, and I don't blame him for anything. Maybe he went to bring the best to the family, and it was his best wasn't enough. So I can't just say that I hate my father for that. No, I love my father for that. Why could be, maybe if my father would be around, I won't be strong enough to get what I was today, so or where I am today. So I think it brings me joy when I say this. Nothing happened by accident. It's a reason and purpose. Sammy, can you relate a little bit more to the challenges and you know things you had to go through? as a young boy in Kumasi. Okay. For instance, I remember a point in time you told me you were a shoeshine boy, a yeah. cobbler, you know, yeah. going the streets just to yeah. try and make money. How was life like? Well, I think uh, 
like we, we, we rightfully said that my father was nowhere to be found. You know, my mother was a single mother with four children. My mother would just wake up early in the morning and go to do her job. So my sister, three of them, have to also carry Maureen and go and sell them. But I, as a boy, I have to carry my shank box and go to house to house and shank people's shoes before I go to school. And some of the uh, people that I shine their shoes, we all go to the same school and also the same class. How did they feel when, when you see them? Well, if I see them now, I feel great because it tells you the beginning is not important, but the end is important. And then some of the two guys that I used to go to their house and shine their shoe, I saw them eating every morning, but they never invite me to eat with them because I come from Forsyth. But when the Bible tells you that don't look at the people who look down upon you, you have to look up to yourself and get a faith in yourself and believe yourself that God can do 10 things around. If God turns things around, nobody can say no to that. So for me, struggling in the, in the early stage was better for me. I prefer to struggle in the early stage than to struggle in the old days. Now I'm having the life of my world. So I think, you know what? I've never been in university, but now I'm in the life of university. God has been amazing to me. If I said he hasn't done it, then I don't know what I'm talking about. He has done amazing things for me. That's former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender Samuel Osei-Kufour speaking to Erasmus Quell. And part two of this interview next week. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can listen to the show too on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Follow us at planetsportfa. Still to come on the show, as Real Madrid's Gareth Bale becomes the world's best-paid player, will top Africans in Europe also benefit? But now we turn to Facebook and to WhatsApp, and last week we commented that for the first time since the English Football League was started in 1888, only one point separated the top five teams a quarter of the way into the season. Now, after the latest round of fixtures, there's just one point separating the top four, with Tottenham just two points behind the leading pack. So we asked, uh, who do you see taking the Premier League title? Will it be Kelechi Iheanacho's Manchester City, Alex Iwobi's Arsenal, Sadio Mane's Liverpool, Victor Moses's Chelsea, Victor Wanyama's Tottenham, or maybe someone else? And on WhatsApp, Lamine B. Turai in the Gambia says, I'm betting on Manchester City because Pep Guardiola believes in doing it with young players and Kelechi is helping the team very well in terms of scoring. Samba Anas, also in the Gambia, thinks the title could go to either of two teams. I'll stick to my early prediction, says Samba. That's either Sadio Mane's Liverpool or Wanyama's Spurs to win the league come May. From Malawi, Eprathar Kamanga says it will be Wanyama's Tottenham because the team is playing well and is yet to taste defeat. And yes, that's a true Eprathar, but the Spurs have also drawn a lot of games, five so far, and maybe they have to convert more draws into wins if they're going to take the title. 
Also in Malawi, and Albert Kadzombe says, for me it would be Arsenal's year. I guess because of the depth of the squad they have, they can contain the pressure this time with the coming in of Xhaka, Mustafi, Lucas Perez, young Alex Iwobi, and the inform performances of Theo Walcott. Ibrahim in Sierra Leone agrees. He says, I think Alex Iwobi and Arsenal will win the league because the team looks to be consistent and focused. In Nigeria, Obina is another gunning for Arsene Wenger's team. He says maybe this year it will be Iwobi's Arsenal because the gunners seem to have depth right now so they can withstand any decent opposition. Khalifa Sanyang is a Gambian currently studying in China. It's going to be Manchester City, says Khalifa. You can't bet against Pep Guardiola. United are still in transition with so many new signings and Liverpool will continue to get better under Klopp and so will Chelsea. Arsenal will be in the top four as usual, but Khalifa says the title will go to Manchester City. Abdullahi Balde in the Gambia says Liverpool's Coutinho is playing the best football right now. But I'm a Man United fan and United will win the Premier League if we find consistency. Balong Baji, also in the Gambia, goes for Jurgen Klopp's team. He says Liverpool are tactically good. They play with a high-pressure attacking style, which gets the best out of those nice forwards. Sadio Mane joining Liverpool was definitely not a mistake because he is now in the right place, says Balong. Mwinga Maimbolwe in Zambia agrees. He says Liverpool will win because they have a less hectic schedule and their coach Jurgen Klopp has kept them playing as a unit. They really need to improve at the back, but as things stand, they're headed for a memorable 19th league title, says Mwinga. Ebrima Kante in the Gambia says, I believe this year it'll go up to the final day and even goal difference will separate some teams. I'm really enjoying the competitiveness of the Premier League this year and as a Chelsea fan, we will be in the mix come May, says Ebrima. Odipo Morris in Kenya says Chelsea have the best chance, although I'm a Man United fan, and Bakary Sonko in the Gambia agrees. Chelsea all the way because they are playing a different kind of football right now, says Bakary. Donald in Cameroon says it's a tricky title this time around due to the different managers' tactics. I'd prefer my team Chelsea to steal it, but if not, I think Man City will top the table. Modu Jadama in the Gambia also finds it hard to predict. Uh, really, I'm going in for Man City, says Modu. I want them to win the title, but without Yaya Toure, they can't make it because he is the key of the team. So now I'll give the title to Chelsea for their brilliant performances and the quality of the team. And finally, some support for Jose Mourinho at Old Trafford. Moses in the Gambia says, of course, it has to be Eric Bailey and Manchester United. You will see us win it and we'll be back where we belong. And Usman Obi Turai, also in the Gambia, agrees. Of course, it's going to be Man United, says Usman. And he adds, I'm really impressed with the performances of all of the African players that they're putting in at their respective clubs. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. And we put all of the responses that we had into a poll. And coming out tops were Liverpool. 23% of listeners say Liverpool will win the title. I must say Liverpool fans are making lots of noise here in Zimbabwe. Uh, number two on our poll, Arsenal with 21%. Then Chelsea on 17%. Manchester City on 16%. Manchester United fifth on 15%. And sixth, Tottenham with 8% of the vote. Thank you.
Well, our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Uh, all very interesting, Stuart. Yes. Um, I mean, the only thing that really surprised me about the poll is that so many people thought Manchester United were still in it because uh, I think it'd be a long, hard season uh, for United. But, you know, as we've said in the programme previously, it could be the tightest Premier League race ever. And, I mean, I actually think that I am with uh, Ibrima in the Gambia who said he thinks it will go absolutely to goal difference at the end of the season and he could be right although uh, he does sneak in a little reference to Chelsea winning it and uh, they're certainly doing okay. Manchester City you know I'm talking to you just after Manchester City have beaten Barcelona in the Champions League so they certainly have got some great form at the moment and I I noticed in the WhatsApp that we've got a lot of support from Gambia for uh, Manchester City, uh, Lamin and Khalifa, for example, thinking that uh, Manchester City are going to win. Uh, interestingly, Kelechi Enacho didn't figure at all in the Champions League. So uh, he may be struggling to get a starting place or he may be being kept more for the Premier League. But uh, let's see. And Arsenal, I think, have got the best chance that they've had in, in some years. And I'm so glad to see that Albert in Malawi... Ibrahim in Sierra Leone and Obina in Nigeria are with me on that. And, you know, I, I like the comment that Obina makes that they seem to have the strength in depth now that they perhaps haven't had in previous seasons. So, yes, I think Arsenal could be up there. But, you know, Liverpool, perhaps the outsiders in some ways, but they're playing really well. And, of course, they haven't got the distraction of Europe. And I think Bolong has got it right when he praises Jurgen Klopp's approach, a high-pressure attacking game, and that Sadio Mane is certainly fitting in well. So I'm afraid I'm slightly sitting on the fence. I think I will be with Ibrima that we will be watching the last day of the season to see who wins on goal difference. OK, well, I understand that it's uh, too close for you to make a prediction there, Stuart. And uh, we had the news this week that Real Madrid's Gareth Bale has signed a new six-year contract, allegedly making him the world's most highly paid footballer. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of speculation and you read in the press that it's worth $34 million a year. But of course, it's just speculation because neither Gareth Bale nor Real Madrid have said how much he's earning. It's certainly on a par with Messi and Ronaldo, according to which paper you read, it's either more or less. But it's an amazingly long contract as well, six years. I mean, I have no problem with him paying Bale that amount of money when he's 27. But, you know, six years down the line, he'll be 33. Will he be worth that amount of money? Remember that Bale is a player whose game is largely based on his speed. And, uh, you know, he could have slowed down a bit over the years. He may have to change. But I suppose they wanted just to tie him to the club. And Bale has said that he thinks this contract means that he will be at Real Madrid for the rest of his career. So a very high salary for Gareth Bale then, Stuart. Um, Can you put this into context for us? Uh, How are teams in Europe able to pay such high salaries? The league that I know most about is the English Premier League. And you need to remember that they have just signed a TV deal worth $6 billion over the next three years. And if you include overseas TV rights, it's probably $10 billion. And that means that each Premier League club will be getting 
about $120 million a year from the TV money. So therefore they can afford to pay massive salaries. And, you know, that is the TV money for the Premier League. It doesn't include the 40 to $90 million that clubs can get from the Champions League, their shirt sponsorship and other commercial income. Well, so there's a lot of cash for the big clubs in England and elsewhere in Europe. Uh, So, Stuart, will these mega salaries go just to the likes of Bale, Messi and Ronaldo? Will it lead to a general increase in salaries and will it benefit the top Africans in Europe? Last season in the Premier League, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal all had a wage bill of more than $240 million per club. So there's a massive amount of money. Um, Incidentally, again, this is slightly speculative because it's not publicly known, but it is thought that Yaya Torre remains in the top five earners in the Premier League, even though he's uh, not figuring a great deal at Manchester City. I think all players will benefit from the the money that's around. And the average Premier League player's salary is something like $3.5 million a year or $65,000 per week. And, you know, we're not talking about Aidan Hazard and Diego Costa. We're talking about an average player at an average club. And let me give you one amazing example, Steve. Cesc Fabregas, according to speculation, will leave Chelsea on loan in the January transfer window. And the problem is, for Chelsea, that they're paying him something like $200,000 per week. And he's only had one start in the Premiership. So he's on the bench, or sometimes not even on the bench, and they're still paying him. $200,000 a week. So the speculation is that they're trying to offload them to get somebody else to pay their wages so that they can bring somebody else in. And, of course, his problem is that Nicola Kante and Nemanja Matic are playing so well that it's hard for him to get a look in. Um, Of course, it's not just football that there's a lot of money in. A top basketball player like LeBron James, according to the Forbes Index, is paid $54 million a year. Top tennis players like Djokovic, about $40 million. And you have to note that football or soccer is, of course, a worldwide game. And in that sense, the earnings are not out of proportion. And uh, you know, a player once said to me, if a club is paying you 100000 you can be sure that the only reason they're doing it is because they think they can make 105000 out of you. Also, it looks like a lot of footballers will be potentially earning more money in Europe. Now let's take a look at the action on the pitch in the English Premier League. And on Monday there were two goals in Stoke's 3-1 win over Swansea for one of the top African strikers in England, but a player who's been struggling to find the net for the past year or so. Yes, I was delighted to see Wilfred Bonney, the Ivorian, not only scoring his first goal for Stoke City, but then adding a second. Uh, Ironically, it was indeed against one of his former clubs, Swansea City. And, of course, Bonnie was very successful at Swansea City, but then when he moved to Manchester City, he struggled simply to get the game time because of the large Manchester City squad. But I think Stoke will be a good move for him, and he can expect to keep on scoring there and reviving his career. Last week, we mentioned the Nigerian Ahmed Musa scoring his first goal for Leicester City. Well, he got another start at the weekend and scored again against Tottenham. I suppose rewarding Claudio Ranieri for uh, putting him in the starting lineup.
And talking about strikers, Sadio Mane was not among the scorers when Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 4-2, but he played the, the 90 minutes, while Daniel Sturridge and Divrock Origi, the Belgian with Kenyan connections, each sat on the bench as unused substitutes for 90 minutes. Interesting how uh, Mane has held a place and perhaps other strikers who might have thought they were ahead of him in the packing order are finding themselves sitting on the bench. Finally, Steve, I just want you to know that I've got your Christmas present. It's a cover for your mobile with a picture of Jose Mourinho on it. I got it in the Chelsea souvenir shop. It was very cheap because um, they seem to have quite a lot of Mourinho merchandise and it's all going cheap. But I'm sure you'll like it. <laughs> well, what a bargain. Uh, Chelsea selling off Jose Mourinho merchandise cheaply as he's now at Manchester United. Well, do post that off to me, Stuart, and I'll use that Mourinho cover for my mobile phone. Thanks a lot to Stuart Weir in the UK, and we talked about Wilfred Bonney there. And on Facebook and WhatsApp this week, we're asking, will Wilfred Bonney keep on scoring? Now that the Ivory Coast striker has finally got off the mark for Stoke City, will Bonney keep on scoring for Stoke as he ended a run of 23 games without scoring? Uh, give us your thoughts on WhatsApp. Uh, send us a message to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four. Four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Let us know if you think that Wilfred Bonney will keep on scoring now. Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashoms in Nigeria, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.